0: I'm your host, Anita Grantham. Welcome to the first episode of HR Unplugged. Today, we're going to be talking about key ways to drive resilience in your organizations. We'll dive into why change is a necessary competency, how to infuse resilience in your company values, and best practices for having stay conversations at your organization. Thank you
1: for joining us. Let's get started. So, Anita, we really want to know what businesses can do to handle all this uncertainty. Like things are just changing every day. We're feeling and seeing a lot of roller coasters and setbacks and, you know, it's a great recession. And then now there's layoffs again. And what specifically is HR's role in all of this?
0: It's a great question, Dakara. I don't know about everybody on this call, but it feels to me like a little bit of whiplash where we go from, oh, you know, hire everybody that you can. Oh, wait, you can't hire them because they're all resigning. Now, oh, wait, don't hire them because we've got to cut costs and now we're laying people off. So our role as leaders in the business is to get really comfortable with change. And so I kind of push back to Kara on all of us here is to say, what is our own personal relationship to change? Because I know most humans don't like it. And I now feel like change, I felt this way pre-pandemic, but post-pandemic, I would say it's a pretty necessary competency to be able to go with change and to really, I was talking about this with our Bamboo CEO yesterday, to stay in a real vein of calm where your customers being your team members don't see real high highs from you or real low lows from you.
1: Yeah, that's so insightful. I personally, like, I, I feel kind of grateful as a millennial. Um, and as we have Gen Xers come in, we have just, we've grown up in a time of unprecedented change. And I think as far as adaptability goes, fortunately, as humans, like, we're, that is becoming our normal to a point that I think will we'll be a little more kind of adaptive and stable throughout chaos. So I think that is really important. And I'm I'm glad that there's some there's some benefits there to being alive at a chaotic time, and that like you, you get get really creative and, and resilient.
0: You know what else, Takara, is interesting about what you just said is a lot of millennials. If you think through the time when when everybody was born in that in that generation, has never experienced a recession before, right? That's, it's been the yeah. land of milk and honey. Really. And so now, you know, as we see millennials entering the workforce, they actually have no context probably. And I I actually noticed this, you know, with our own teams at Bamboo. And I share what's kind of happening in the larger macroeconomic environment. And a lot of them just have a lot of curiosity about it and a lot of fear about it. And so one of the other things we can do as leaders is really help our team members understand what it's like to go through a time like this, what it means what it doesn't mean, and how to focus on the things we can control and not all of the things out there we can't control that often use up a lot of airtime in our brain.
1: Yeah. And so being resilient, you know, what is, I think it's got to be part of your core. I feel like Bamboo HR has, has had resilient values. They chose them very well. And I find that really interesting. And I wonder if that's something that, like, could you tell our visitors, like, how they might um, instill resilience into their values of their organization?
0: That's definitely the place to start, Takara, is if you want resilience as an organization, starting with them and your values is is a great place. So there's a few places that we have is lead from where you are is one of the bamboo values. And I think that, what do you think, Takara? Is that the one you were thinking of?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean... That and just do the right thing has also been one that I think and be open. Those are all for me ones that I fall back to about like just something not going the way we expected or yeah. And I think um, being also willing to, I think the lead from where you are is really great because I can have an idea about how something could be better for me or better for my team. And I feel like it's welcome that I could step up and say, Hey, I feel like there's, there's a change here that could be beneficial and I think that should be, you know, a good two-way communication practice anywhere. But without something to really reinforce that as part of the organizational culture, you can get a lot of microcosms between specific bosses and teams that that's just not that's not happening. That it's, you end up with this one-way communication. You don't really know what you could be doing better. So having it as a core value, I think, makes a big difference.
0: I did too. And you you brought up something too that I think this this group would value is when you talk about lead from where you are do the right thing. The other one that I think speaks to this is assume the best and being open is really defining what it means and what it does not mean. You know, we kind of have this, but we could do a better job of bringing it out of Bamboo. But I think for all the team members on the call and business leaders, just to really think about how do you define what it looks like for your organization and what does it not look like? Because then you get into a lot of counterfeiting. So sometimes, you know, if you think about resilience counterfeited, it kind of could seem like, oh, you know, sometimes entrepreneurs are are viewed as like just fly by the seat of their pants and not super strategic. And so you could say, well, just be resilient, just bounce back, just find a way to get through it. Mm-hmm. And it can seem a little bit disheartening versus I think what we're saying in the spirit of, of our time together today is resilience is, is what you make of the situation. It's how you lead through it. It is the reaction. It's that pause between action, pause, reaction. It's that pause part to say, who am I going to be before I react? And how does it line up with the values and mission of the organization? And in that place, we can have real strong, authentic resistance in the spirit for which we want to use it in our organization. Not resistance, resilience. Sorry, wrong R.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those going around. All right, yes. retention, resilience. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that that detail there. And I think that is something that I know Bamboo HR has like more values then is like the best practice that I've seen from a lot of other sources, and I kind of wondered about that at first. And I've noticed how it, it a lot of our values kind of are like a there's definitely like some nest of values that complement each other and help create that nuance, clear up the the potential gray area around some of them. So when they when they come together, they're like you know a megatron of that co- company values. So thanks for going through that. So when we are you know, an HR professional, and we're dealing with trying to get there, there's only with the resilience uh, agendas, like there's only so much that HR professionals really have control over. So what can you do? What is actually within your control from an HR seat to actually build resilience?
0: Yeah, this is a great question because I think as HR leaders, we're, we're really caught up with what's happening out there. So focusing on what we can do right now is really critical. So the first thing that we can do is retain our best people, full stop. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about customer retention and team member retention is the number one way to retain your customers right? Customers want to work with team members that have been there. They want to see that stability. And so you hear a lot about this from our CEO, Brad Rensher, but, you know, employee experience drives the customer experience. And one more piece, when your team members can see the impact they have on the customer and they feel like they're making a difference, that goes a long way. So how you tie that together so they understand how they make meaningful difference to the customer will keep them in their role. The other thing, too, is start having stay conversations. We can do this more as an organization. Go to key people, go to anyone and say, how are you feeling? I just did this with a team member last week. And I said, you know, you leave me with the experience that things have been really tough for you lately. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, they have. And I said, you know, if a recruiter called you right now from the right place and it was at the right time, would you take it?
1: And she said, to ask. I can imagine that most managers are like, I'm not going to breach this topic. If I bring it up, it'll make it real. Yeah. Know, but it is real. It yeah. is real. True.
0: You know, I don't see these conversations as hard. I just see them as like getting right to it, like getting right to the heart of what's happening And then I just asked, I asked for her word on something. I said, if we can fix these things that are causing frustration and lack of engagement and you feeling like you don't make an impact, will you promise me to call me first before you call back a recruiter? Will you just, will you pick up the phone and call me first and just tell me where you are and tell me what's really, what's really frustrating you? Mm -hmm. And she said she would. Now I'll let you know, stay tuned and we'll come back to this and I'll let you know how it progresses. Yeah. And, and, you know, having these conversations are things we just need to be doing more often. Another thing I'm, I'm really bad at to Cara that I need to be better at, Cassie Whitlock on our team is awesome at this. You know, she's great at starting every conversation with like, how are you? How was your weekend? I just want to jump into the work, right? I just want to get stuff done. You know, it doesn't mean that I don't care. I just get really focused on the work. And Cassie has really taught me just to stop, especially because, you know, right now it's it's two o'clock mountain. So I'm having like my cup of afternoon tea. I usually have skinny pop. And I was, if, if I was in the office, I'd be going somewhere and having that and having a conversation where I'd ask you all those questions. You know, how was your weekend? What are you up to? What's going on in your life? And since we don't have those casual collisions in an office space, what we've got to create them in this Zoom room that we're in. And we've got to create time to build that connection. It's actually our theme at Bamboo for the year. It's called Connected. And it's, you know, of all the places I spent time in, big and small business together, I've seen so much progress. I'm feeling connected at Bamboo. I've really noticed a big difference by just having the intention of focusing on that. And I think that's another thing in, in what you can control. You can create connection in your organizations.
1: Yeah. It's been cool to be part of Bamboo before the connected theme and during and see the different approaches. And I think I've really noticed that Bamboo is like, um, you know, it's constantly reassessing the strategy of how we, how we maintain our connection with this like remote and hybrid workforce. Gosh. That's definitely helpful. Thank you. So we've got retaining your current employee talent. We want to also hire the right people, right? And then um, finding ways to make work better for everyone, like having these conversations that are really hard and scary, but like if you don't start the conversation, they might never start the conversation. It's really not on, an associate to like, you know, put themselves in a, in a really vulnerable, uncomfortable spot to approach their manager and say, Hey, I might leave. <laughs> like who's going to do that? Right. It's um,
0: no one's going to do that. Yeah. Right now. Sorry, you're totally yeah. right.
1: Yeah. So if you don't, you may, you're just not going to have that opportunity. So
0: I've got um, to babies today. Right, a lot of people out there are like, if I can go jump and make thirty grand more today, and that's my family vacation, even if the company goes down, I'm gonna go take it. Right, like there's there's a lot of that, and I can't actually, you know, for young team members with early career and they're they have young families, yeah. you know, with the macroeconomic environment the way it is, you know, there's a lot of people just making as much as they can right now, and I, you know I've got to yeah. hand it to them, and I've got to I've got to respect that, and it's our job to know that that's what's happening and we've got to know that there's other ways that we can make a difference. So Takara, you said retaining is number one and then we have to hire. So just like customer experience maps to team member experience, if we're not retaining our team members, they're not going to go hire great people for us. They're not going to go evangelize why they need to come. So it's like, it's both sides of this coin. So if they feel like they're being well taken care of, then they can go and hire the next cohort of great team members. So like those, but I always say retain first. A lot of people say hire, then retain. I don't think so. I really mm. take a takeaway. I want you to swap those two. I want you to retain is job one. And then when you feel like you have a good sense on retention, then let's go and look at who we can hire. And then how do we take care of that system? We can talk about that too.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that could be an entire conversation of in and of itself. But that's really wise because yeah, if you hire great talent and you haven't figured out the retention piece, I mean, you're gonna spend a lot onboarding this, you know, awesome new talent. And then if you're not already walking the walk, you know, you're you're on the uh, probation just as much as the new hire as an organization. And they might be like, eh, it doesn't really you were really not everything I expected you to be. So yeah, that retention piece coming before the hiring piece sounds pretty critical. So what is your opinion around like the fears that employees are facing today about like, you know, what are they worried about? What is all this uncertainty doing that can come from the employees leaving the, you know, result in them leaving the workforce and changing jobs? Like what are the employees really concerned about? Cause I know you just said, you know, they've got babies and families if they're young and maybe they're developing their career, but is that, is it what we think it is?
0: So let's start with the data. We did a great survey. Your team did a survey on this and it was awesome. Awesome. Where, you know, 33% chose to retire. I don't know if you're all seeing this, but I've had almost every doctor and every teacher I know in my network retire, right? So there's, there's things out there that are saying, Hey, I just want to get out of this racket. So that, that's happening. We saw that, um, 19% out of this survey were just dissatisfied. It was kind of just like, I'm, I just don't want to put up with it anymore. So I'm just going to take my time out. 17% needed a mental break. And 14% said the employer was not paying them what they're worth. And 12% actually said unethical reasons. Dakar, can I go ahead and post this in the chat so everybody can see it? I think really that's
1: right. a great idea. It's probably hard to follow along exactly. And yeah, if definitely I, if I, I, right yeah. I want to blow right past everybody. That's great. I
0: want to that. So you can kind of see here, this survey, I can repost it on LinkedIn or you can find it in the bamboo or, or my LinkedIn post where you can see the full survey. You know, I think pre-pandemic, And the surveys that I've done, you know, that would say I don't have a chance to grow in my job was number one. I still think that's in here somewhere, even though we're not seeing it. It was, I don't like the person that's leading me for whatever reason, Pick your poison. And then comp is always in the top five. But what's interesting is we don't see it in the data as the main driver. Now, if I went and talked to all of my hiring managers at Bamboo, they would tell me comp is number one, but the data doesn't line up with it as a number one. So there's there's work to be done there too, but I don't know about y'all. Have you ever met somebody that feels like they're paid what they're worth? I haven't yet. If you have, please mm. please send me a note. I'd love to meet this person, <laughs> and I don't care what time of of world it was in. I've just never met the overpaid team member yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. <laughs> I think you know, and I wonder too, like with um, you know, with layoffs happening and stuff, like some people might be you know assuming that they're just like jumping you know jumping ship before everybody else. How do we, you know, address the company like viability, like PR? Like what's the, you know, I forgot that PR term that every you're like the optics, the optics <laughs> yeah, yeah. like company optics, right? Are should you be staying? Should you fight to stay? Should you turn down other stuff? Like is this a great place to like do you have that, you know, um, not just growth in your current role, but as a company as a whole, are you secure in, in some way?
0: Yeah, I love this question, Dakara. So when we first opened up, we talked about resilience and change and how change needed to be a core part of who we are as HR leaders, right? We need to find comfort with change um, first before we can push our organization to be comfortable with change, like, right? Because if we don't believe it, then no one else is going to believe it. Dakara, I think your question here is it goes to us first, So the first thing is to look at is who am I as an individual and what's important to me at this time? You know, we saw a lot of our early career team members through the same survey said, I can leave and I don't need to come back for six months. I've got ways to get health insurance. I've got ways to get money. I've got people that are going to take care of me. I don't need you employer. And that was part of the COVID hangover, I call it where team members really saw that there was no loyalty, especially the bigger companies, right? There were just wives in the layoffs and they were like, hey, I don't want to be at the whim of the man, right? I don't want somebody Mm -hmm. to just come in and take away my job and I have no say, so I'm going to exit and take care of myself. So I think that that's Mm -hmm. what we saw coming in. Now the headwinds are changing and we're seeing, we're going to see something different here, I think, through you know, this changing economy. And so go back to you. What's important to you as an individual? Do you really feel unsatisfied in your role and you want to learn something else? You're not aligning with the company and feeling passionate about the company. That's the other thing we saw in our survey is connection to stability started to matter where people are like, you know, even though healthcare has got pummeled in the last two years, we're always going to need people in healthcare. So I want to work at somewhere that's stable. If you're taking care of dependents and loved ones, insurance is going to play in. I had somebody text me last night. She's a realtor here in Utah. Her husband has had some challenges and she's like, I just can't be on my own anymore. I want to be part of a team. I want to feel like I can contribute and I need health insurance. So I think people are, you know, because it's yeah. still hard to secure that outside of the context of, of a day job. And so mm-hmm. I would encourage all of you to do this inventory for yourself. What's important to you? What makes you stay at the job that you're at? And what could somebody offer you that would make you go for yourself? Because I guarantee right. you what you discover on your own is going to be probably plus or minus what 80% of your team members still do. And then I would go out and ask them. We don't mm. ask them enough. You know, what are your biggest fears? Takara, this is the question. What are That's the biggest a special fears? thought. Yeah, go ask them. Takara, what are your biggest fears right now? You know, if Bamboo could wave the magic wand and take away all your fears, what would it look like for you? And what does Sunshine and Rainbow look like for you? And start working those into your one-on-ones, your department meetings, your team meetings. And again, we're we're still all human. We're dependent on this technology thing to connect, and I'm grateful for it. But let's bring back what's important to the human.
1: Yeah, you know what? Um, Bamboo HR is an amazing place. Uh, with like families, I've noticed, and I haven't had any of my own littles yet. But I'm really, I'm in that position where um, my LinkedIn inbox. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm, I'm really happy. I'm not looking at these, right? You know, but like you, you're like magic wand. What would it be? I'm like, pet insurance.
0: That's a big one. Everybody wants pet insurance. <laughs> We're bringing it back to the dogs. Um, I mean, those little, those little fur balls are expensive.
1: I know, right? And and we love them so much. They're so important to our work environment satisfaction now so well it's on yeah. the list.
0: we're doing benefits <laughs> review right now and so pet insurance is on the list so I'm I'm hopeful and optimistic
1: yes awesome I'm stoked on that okay well we've covered a lot of really good stuff here let's see I guess as like HR leaders and establishing that consistency for employees can you kind of sum that down into like some core I guess like a lit litmus test you know, of like, am I providing what my team needs and what the employees of my organization need to, to sense sustainability? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: This is a great question. So I call it food, water, shelter. Do you, as an HR leader, cover food, water, shelter? Especially through 2020. We, I think, and I, I lost track of food, water, shelter because there were so many rainstorms. There were so many opportunities to remodel the house to decorate with new flooring and new paint on the walls. I love using um, a house analogy for HR, right? I wanted a new sofa, I wanted a new throw rug, I wanted something new on the wall. But the bottom line is if we don't handle food, water, shelter, all that stuff in the house, it won't look great. And so to me, food, water, shelter looks like, do I provide reliable payroll? Job one, payroll's personal. People wanna know that they get paid on time and accurately, full stop. So can you like guarantee that your payroll is rock solid? Secondly, do people understand how they make more money, right? Jobs provide like, you know, our ability to go do what, you know, the things we want to do for our families. And, you know, like we talked about life is too short. We want people to love what they do and get paid fairly to go do it. Our, and before 2020, I really pushed our teams for this. You've got to run a clean comp shop. You've got to know Like where people are and what your pay philosophy is and what data source you use. And are Mm. you being consistent in your pay practices? Nothing will foul up your culture faster than inconsistency in pay practices. And it's usually last on the docket. One, because it's hard. Two, most people don't understand Mm. it. It's it's not simple, right? It's, It's really taken me my entire career to learn acumen and pay and I could still be better at it. And so I really, if you, if you're not clear on how and why and what strategy you use to pay people, not how you differentiate people, how you differentiate the role and the level based on the job to be done and impact to the strategy of the business. That's it. You're not pricing humans, you're pricing roles. And then you're looking at that role and saying, what value does this role contribute? And how do I look at it relative to the other roles in the organization? And then how do I apply a formula for how we pay for that role? And then how does that role make more money over time? Some mm. of the biggest mistakes I see us making is we, we put a human head. And I know this sounds like grotesque, but I just heard it a few weeks ago and I really loved it. You have to have headless, headless humans. You can't look at their faces. You just got to look at their role.
1: Mm. That does sound like an important part of like your, you know, equitability strategy and like diversity and equitability um, initiatives is that you're going to be, you know, not like testing people on whether or not they advocate well for themselves, even if they have all the skills, you know, we know that culturally some of us are going to have a harder time feeling confident enough to, you know, ask for what we're worth. And so I think that, you know, and knowing that, I think that if an organization is kind of transparent about where that's coming from, too. Like, I, I would think that would alleviate a lot of kind of anxiety and also build trust. Like, hey, I know that you're not paying me less because I didn't ask for enough.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Takara. And I think this whole concept has gotten, it's gotten challenging for team members and employers to handle alike. So there's two sides of the coin that you speak to. One is to say, hey, I'm company X and I pay at the 50th on cash. What does that mean? It means that 50% of companies pay more than us and 50% of them pay less, but we pay Mm at the 50th. So the offer I'm giving you is in the range of the 50th. If you feel like you're worth more, we need to help you go find a role at an organization that pays at the 75th. The challenge what's happening right now is a lot of organizations are paying whatever it takes to get it done. And and Mm -hmm. in the vault right here, I don't think skill sets are getting much better. I think everybody's getting paid more, but I don't think that the skill set has grown commensurately with the pay, Mm -hmm. right? We've just been in this dog-eat-dog, really high talent war where everybody's winning with dollars. But I don't know. Most of the people I interview, I don't know if this is true for all of you, they're not more skilled than they were 12 months ago. They've gotten more skilled at finding new jobs, but not more skilled Mm at the craft that that's really required to earn more money. So there's going to be, I think we're we're just on the tipping point of the reconciliation of that. And, Takara, to your point, if we have that transparency and we know, like for Takara, everybody at her role, at her level, is paid at the 50th, and that's consistent across gender and background and everything, then we can stand on that and we know we're being consistent. But a lot of teams Mm -hmm. can't stand on that. And that's, like, that's the visibility. Takara, you could still feel like you want to go make more money. And that's a fair point. And at Company X, we're committed to this. And we're going to stick to this and we're not going to monkey with it. If great people say, but I just want more, I'm going to leave. If you don't pay me more, I don't mm-hmm. negotiate with job hunters. Like I don't, If you feel like you can go make more money and you've already been dating somebody else. I want you to go have a nice life. And yeah. as leaders, we've got to be proactive, right? And making sure that doesn't happen. We want to keep them engaged in our relationship.
1: Well, it's working right now. So for me, I can say. <laughs> okay, but I want to be the first call if it's not. Okay. You, okay. you got it. Okay. okay. Gosh, what we've covered, um, So um we've covered a lot about, you know, how to build resilience in, in these uncertain times and an environment of change. And what we need to look at as HR professionals, we need to refer back to ourselves, right, a lot and see if, what do we need to feel comfortable and to feel like we're in an organization that we would stay at and and extrapolate that and then have the conversation with your team. So we've got some really great kind of actionable directives there. And as we look to the future and infusing like resilience into your organization, is there any last things you want to say before we get into like an open Q&A with our participants? Today?
0: Yeah, I think the thing is, is that you're all incredible. And you all are doing a job that is that is challenging to do. And I want you to give yourself credit for it because you are the hero. I want you to know that your organization builds energy around you and depends on you to be that source of goodness and focus. And you've got to take care of yourself first. So put yourself at the top rung of that priority list. Ask yourself these questions first and keep yourself balanced and in harmony as you go through this time. And happy to take any any open questions, Chakara.
1: Awesome. Well, we have a few coming in. It's, it's nice to see you. I'll go ahead and share your question. So your question was, how do you work with someone who doesn't want to change and is just not open, just doesn't isn't receptive to change, and it's and you get you start to get frustrated because you're trying to build this resilient culture and somebody there's somebody in your way.
0: I love this question. I think we've all had it, haven't we? If you haven't had this, raise your hand. I want to meet you. So Jessica asked a great question. So the first thing is, what are we both committed to? What are we both here to do? Mm -hmm. So let's take one. I feel like one of our jobs as an HR team is to hire talent when the business needs it. Like, that's it. So you've got to be able to identify the talent and identify when the business needs it and if the recruiting person can deliver it at that time. And so, you know, if you have somebody that's saying, I don't have the resources or I don't want to do it, or I don't think the business needs this headcount, all of those things. You have to go back to saying, are we both committed to hiring talent when the business needs it? Or is that what we're both committed to and getting the customer involved? Like I feel like we could go to hiring managers and people leaders and hear what they need as our customer. And I don't think our teams do that enough. I'm constantly pushing our team back to say, what does our customer say? If this is the hiring manager, what do they need? Let's all get in a zoom room together and talk about what that is. And then if the person is still saying, I don't think I should do this, well then well then you have a choice to make, right? That person has a choice. You can either stay in this role and work to deliver what we've agreed to as a business is important, or I'm happy to help you find another role where you can run things the way you want to run things. And it doesn't have to be heavy. I really want to, you know, we have so much heaviness in the world. The other, if I could give you all a virtual gift, it just package it up and be up light and direct and it doesn't have to have all this weight on us. And so if this isn't mm-hmm. what you want to do and you're not happy doing it, that's okay. Like let's go find a role where you're happy doing what you what you want to do. Or let's really talk about what's driving you to feel like you don't want to go in this direction. What is it I'm not seeing? What is it I'm not hearing? I like putting it on myself because then it gets them to open up and really talk to me. And that's probably the first place I start is, "Hey, how is how is this for you?" because you're leaving me with the experience that you're really not wanting to move in this direction? Is that what you want me to take away from our time together? And they'll be like, no, 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 no. Right. This is what I mean. But really just kind mm-hmm. of like step away from the core issue and say, Hey, it's on me. I feel this way. How do you see it? And aligning from that point to go forward.
1: Is that useful? Okay. Yeah. I think that's great. I just, I'm curious too. I mean, I've had the experience where the like the person who didn't want to change is maybe not someone I manage. You know, it might be who manages me or um, it's someone who's making decisions that impacts what I'm able to do. You know, do you have maybe like a, a, a caveat to that if you're not in a position to say, hey, looks like you're not happy here. Let me help you find something else.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point because a lot of us are in positions where we have to work with other people where we don't have that hierarchy to work through. And I would still start with the same way. Are you and I, Takara and I are both committed to excellent live webinars that drive a lot of value for our community. And let's say, Takara, you want to go in one direction and I want to go into another direction. And so how do we align on what we see as most important? Like, How do we align on the vision of what we both want to achieve and use that as the mechanism of accountability, not our relationship as the mechanism of accountability? Okay. Right. So we're saying we agreed that live webinars would do this for our community. Does this thing that we're arguing over get us closer or further away?
1: Yeah. Yeah. OK. I think that's a great, really vulnerable and honest approach to, you know, any circumstance with with each other. And I can imagine that if you do that with the individual and then if it's not, you know, if it's not working out, you can like engage other other people in the in the org. So awesome. Thanks so much for your question, Jessica. So um, we have another question from Cynthia Bullock. Cynthia, are you able to come off mute and ask your question for us? I'm off mute. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yeah, <laughs> it's working. Nice to meet you. Hi, Cynthia. Thanks for having So my question was, um, so I agree with, I think it's a good idea everyone start at 50% percentile. So everyone's starting coming in at the same rate. But how do you then compensate for those who are outstanding? Those who are pushing the envelope, those who come with like great ideas, do you compensate them? via bonuses, special recognition, like how are you showing them that they are you know, outstanding? I love this, Cynthia. It's a great question.
0: So there's a few components of how you compensate people. So one is like the pay I get for my job, which is what I believe is just your base salary. And then you're talking about this above and beyond piece. So you could create a program That is like an annual incentive program where if we all work together as a team, I was just working on this. They're a company in Australia and they're a Pilates education company. There's probably 10 10 team members there. And the founder said, I really want everybody to be focused on margin creation. Right? How do we, we can increase our top line, but he really wanted to look at costs more effectively. And so he said, if we can manage cost and we can reach this goal on margin, I'm going to give three points of the margin we save back to the team at the end of the year. So like it really incentivized the above and beyond. So you could do that as a team and then you could take a portion of that and say, these are the five people that really drove it. Right? They organize the thought. They help make, you know, people work together, all of those things. And you could say, I like making it constrained and you could say, okay, leaders, you have three or five spots for the people that really made this happen. And they're going to get four points instead of three points of the extra margin as a percentage of their base salary. And so you could do it that way. But I always like to create a list of like, what are the principles that we want to drive? We want our top performers to feel like their impact actually benefits their pocketbook, right? We want to make sure that it's based on supporting the whole team and not impacting the customer experience. We want to make sure that these people are also role models and demonstrations of our values, right? Because you don't want to have a whole X, you know, doing it at all costs. And everybody on the team doesn't like them, but they get the most bonus. We've all worked with that person. So you kind of put some criteria in place. And so you can use it on a quarterly basis. You can use it on a monthly basis. You can use it on an annualized basis. But really kind of going back even to these high performers and getting them together and say, hey, what would be meaningful for you for you to help you go above and beyond? And then on the day-to-day, Cynthia, yeah, I love to ask my teams, have you ever read like the, the five love languages, the book? So some of you are nodding your head. So basically yeah. there's like five love languages. It talks about it in the context of like a relationship. And so it's like access, service, gifts, those types of things. So I like to ask my team, like, if I'm going to recognize you, what means most to you? And a lot of people love a handwritten note or they like um, private recognition versus public recognition. Some people prefer public, but I like to know that about about my team members so that I can recognize it, recognize them in a way that is meaningful. For them. So I have that one on one type of recognition as well as this kind of overall company piece that I can do to monetarily. Does that answer your question?
1: Awesome. Thanks, Cynthia. It was nice to meet you. Okay. Do, is there anyone else that has a burning question in their pocket that they would like to present? I know we're coming up on our time today and it's been really cool to get to spend this time with you. And we hope that you'll you'll come back again and tell your friends, tell your peers your colleagues that we're here and that we're creating this this space for us to have to spill the tea and have the real talk <laughs> of hr Feel so like we were actually kind of um considering like the name of this session and what it could be and now i'm starting to think i'm gonna vote for something like that like <laughs> hrt i don't know <laughs> come up with something but um if there's any yeah additional questions feel free to drop those in the chat maybe in the meantime Anita, I know, um, one of the things you really care about is providing actionable takeaways. Um, we want this time to be really valuable for everyone that comes and spends that with us. So if there's, you know, three or four things that you would say you can, you know, what can these people log off and go back to work and start doing to build their, a more resilient community in their organization or then themselves? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Takara, that's great. So the first is, what's your relationship with change? Just take three minutes and jot it down and say, do I hate change? Do I love change and why? And what would make dealing with change easier for me? Right? Mm -hmm. What does resiliency look like for me? What does it mean to me? What does it mean for my organization? What does it mean for my teams? What does it mean for my boss? If I were to give feedback to my boss about resiliency, what would it be? What do I think my biggest customer thinks about change? Really, it will, it will alter how you message, how you work on things, how you roll things out. So really get clear about how you see it and then start applying these questions to your stakeholders. That's, that's number one. Number two, get focused on retention. Understand where you are. Have a stay conversation. So know where you are in the retention spectrum and go have a stay conversation and try it on. And ask them to call you first before they call back that recruiter that's just a a nice gnat, won't let go. They're always flying around. So get them to call you first. You've got to be equally that great little gnat that's flying around saying, I want you. What a big difference Mm. does it make, Takara, when I say to you, Takara, I love our partnership together on these live webinars. I don't want to work with anyone else. Please call me before you decide to go anywhere else. I want to work with you.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It really counteracts the people who say, Hey, remember that your job could fire you tomorrow. Like you're just, you know, like don't think that they won't if it serves the bottom line. And I'm like, I don't know. Anita really likes me and she's like willing to have these conversations that are hard. So I think I'm safer here than, than that. Like, (laughs) so I think I'll know I'll have more heads up if I, I'll know if I'm not.
0: (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. So, so do that and have a conversation. Tell them that you want them to stay and think about that. And then, you know, be aware that the customer experience drives the, the, I'm sorry, the employee experience drives the customer experience. So what could you fix in your employee experience to help your customer? Because healthy businesses are going to survive this time, right? And our job is to create a healthy business that survives and thrives so we can all stay as great team members, right? So how do I, How do I think and create that, that connection? Because then I can hire great people. Mm I have more money to give incentive budget and bonus to. All things are happier when, you know, a business, a healthy business is, is generating revenue and profit and, and thriving in those areas. And then, you know, think about what are your fears? What are your fears? And what are the fears of the organization? What are the fears Mm -hmm. of your culture? Every culture has something sacred that they're afraid to deal with. What is it? And can you identify it? And what door does that open for you? You know, and so so think about those things. Those are a good meaty list of action items. We'd love to hear Mm -hmm. what you're doing on those things. So I know there'll be a way for you to do that. And look, we know we're at time. Your time is really Mm -hmm. valuable. Thank you for spending an hour with us. Dakara and I are grateful to see all your great places and answer your wonderful questions. And And we're here for you. So grateful for the time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. All right. As we close the session, you're going to get a quick survey. It won't take more than five minutes. So hopefully we can uh, go ahead and jump into that. So you can just do it here at the top of the hour um, and not have to give us any overage on your time there. And uh, help us improve these sessions moving forward. So we know, you know, what is it that we can bring to you that's that's going to improve your, your experience as an HR professional? And then if you have the time, give us that feedback. And then also you can register to join our next meeting with Anita on June 21st at 12 PM Pacific Standard Time. So that's when we'll be doing this again. And what we're going to cover next time is going to largely depend on what you tell us in this survey. So please, please do that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks, Dakara. You're an awesome hostess. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anita. Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at Bambu HR dash unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work.